Hey folks, this is Frank from the Nonproductive Network wishing all of you a happy birthday 2020. That's not what anybody says. Uh, a happy new year from everyone here at Nonpro. Yeah, that's it. In this new year, we need your help to make our network better than ever just by answering a few questions. Go to non-productive.com forward slash survey and tell us a little bit about what you want from our shows. And you can enter for a chance to win a fabulous thank you prize and, of course, get the opportunity to sound off about everything you think about our station. Once again, that's non-productive.com forward slash survey. And thanks for all your support. Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop. Shrunk down, gamma-irradiated, sworn to protect a world that fears and hates it, and aired live-ish every week only on the Nonproductive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio, as always, by Al, Pete, and John Trumbull of Black Issue Magazine from Tomorrow's Publishing. And we are right in the middle of our Crisis on Infinite Earths recap. Uh, just to be clear, in case you've gotten somehow five or six episodes or seven episodes into the show. We're not talking about the CW crossover specifically. No. But we might talk a little bit about it this uh, this episode. We'll see. Mm, We're at the yeah. halfway point. Who knows? Um, yeah, so let's talk about it. We're at issue seven. We're past the halfway point. This is a super deluxe mega issue. Woof. Uh, woof indeed. That does not hide what it's going to be about on the cover. Nope. Uh, half of us in the room have not read Crisis beforehand, and the other half have. Because mm-hmm. um, that's how halves work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your math, yeah, checks, math out. checks out. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yes, so one of the things we talked about earlier in this series is how much do we actually know what's going to happen, even if we've never read it? And Pete, I think you and I, having never read this before, seeing the cover of issue seven, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely thought there. I, I remember Supergirl dying in this, even if I have never read it. I remember it was the whole gotta bring Superman back to being the only survivor of Krypton thing. Because uh, yeah. there was a time when he had like a horse and a gorilla and a dog and like a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was a monkey, not a gorilla. Oh, okay. It was just a monkey. It wasn't yeah. a gorilla. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I'm just I mean, because feeling... a gorilla would be silly. That's true. I just feel like I'm being gaslighted here or, or Mandela affected here. I'm not sure. Because I, I remember this scene, but Superman was holding Batman. I think they have done this cover. A million different. There ways. are oh, yeah. a lot of different Pieta covers yeah. in comic <clears throat> books. Yeah, there are there are some many famous ones, but this is this is probably the most famous. Uh, th- this Pieta. or the X Men one where Cyclops is holding uh, Phoenix's dead body. Right. Yeah, and it's, oh, yeah. you know it's interestingly enough, there's a, a whole side podcast we could do about this. It's not the first time this cover has been used. Not even the first time George Perez used this. I think a year, less than a year beforehand, there was a Teen Titans cover that had a very similar vibe. With to which it. characters? Uh, you I'm know, pretty sure it was okay. Beast Boy holding Cyborg. Probably, yes. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like I could confuse those characters very easily. That checks yes. out. And this starts off the bromance early. Uh, but yeah, so it's not certainly not the first, but probably the, one of the more iconic versions of it. Uh, and yeah, this that shows you how much Crisis is like part of comic readers' DNA, even if you've never read it. And I remember this is this is probably like one of the first times I ever saw a comic story get some mainstream press coverage. I remember seeing... 
uh, this cover image uh, in USA Today. Oh, wow. Before this issue even hit the stands. It was just about the series in general. And it was like, they're killing off Supergirl. And Supergirl had some name recognition among the general public because she had already had that movie at this point. And, I, and in fact, that's one of the reasons they decided to kill off Supergirl was because that 1984 well. movie with Helen Slater flopped so hard. Did it really Ooh. flop? I, did, I never knew if it flopped. Yeah. Just, it did not do well. Yeah, It's it, not a good movie, you guys. I, you know what? I enjoyed it, but I was also very young when I saw it, and I was just craving anything Superman. But like Al said earlier, we were having a glut of Superman. I think there may have been editorial mandate at this point to... Maybe not this early, but it certainly is a concept that haunts Superman. Is the is he the last survivor of Krypton, or is he one of, uh, you know, a thousand people? Well, I mean, at this point, I you know they part of the plans, of course, was they were going to revamp Superman, but they probably at this point in time didn't really know who was going to revamp Superman. They had a lot of different pitches. Um, John Byrne was one of the people who pitched uh, Marv Wolfman. Had his own ideas about how it should be done. Uh, some other people, I know Steve Gerber and Frank Miller had uh, a pitch that they had. So Howard Shaken had a very interesting pitch uh, for Superman, which was basically just uh, uh, Superman flying around Metropolis and he's he's singing songs in the air and then he huh. flies into the Daily Planet and then you realize that everyone knows that he is actually Clark Kent but no one lets on oh because, that's sort of sad yeah, yeah. I well, like it I like it <laughs> yeah. it's a very irreverent it, it's very close to a Saturday Night Live sketch uh, that they did with The Rock uh, later on uh, by the way listen to the SNL nerds also on the uh, non-pro podcast network there you go but, uh, blatant plug there dirty plugs in I know I'm so unclean so yeah, it's it's certainly a um, cleaning house a miniseries in general. Yeah, and mm-hmm. even though we don't have a hell of a lot of deaths in this, in fact, we have more lives saved than deaths. The deaths that happen are more significant. Well, I mean, if you don't count all the thousands of people on the parallel Earths, the millions and billions of people. But well, those on people the, are already dead. Thousands the parallel parallels. universe. Yeah, the parallel universe. We're, so. we're talking about like in this particular issue. You got so to. Yeah, of... you can't dwell on the past. Those people <laughs> are dead. They died years ago. That's fine. Everything is okay right now. How many Thanagars have been destroyed? Enough. I mean, if they destroyed a few more, maybe Hawkman wouldn't have become the mess that he became Whoa. in the decade after this. But, you know. Wait a minute. I got a math question. Mm-hmm. Have they destroyed an infinite amount of universes? Oh, we're not doing this anymore. We're uh, yeah. never going to do this math thing again. No. Uh, so one of the cool things that happens in this book, uh, well, we, when we start off with our characters exactly where we left them off, chilling, on a floating out, on a rock. Rock, chilling out on a space rock, thinking about how peaceful it is out there, yep. uh, overlooking the universes that they've managed to save. Mm-hmm. And um, our favorite character, Pariah, showing up. Like, <laughs> I was here the whole time. I'm very upset. He sounds like the guy. He sounds like the guy who does sprockets in my mind yeah. now. For some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, mourning the loss of his beloved Shalabal. <laughs> yes. Oh wait. I mean, no. it's <laughs> it, it's funny that like one of the cliffhangers at the end of last issue in issue six was them like, how are we ever going to get off this rock? And here it's resolved in literally a page. Pariah shows up and he's like, hey, let's get off this rock. And then they all disappear. There's a <laughs> I lot can of, do this for some... A lot of the pressure points of the story mm-hmm. don't ever seem to go anywhere. 
It, things resolve when they do. Characters make proclamations that don't ever pan out or pan out books later. Issues and issues later. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one of them that happens in this book, I believe, the Anti-Monitor, uh, which we're skipping a little ahead, but Anti-Monitor is threatening. He's like, well, I will be back at the dawn of time and just sort of hangs out for like two issues. Not going back <laughs> to the dawn of time. Like, uh-huh. it's a, but yeah, there's a lot of things. It's almost... um. Uh, like a pacing issue, but I think it's also just a juggling issue. Yeah. I, I feel like, and I don't ha- have a great deal of inside information on this, but I, I feel like Marv Wolfman, he knew it was going to be a 12-issue story, but I don't feel like he, he maybe outlined it that extensively, or maybe because th- this is such a big series, the approval process had to be very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of flying by the seat of his pants. Yeah, definitely. This. So... I, I know in some ways the series wasn't totally what he initially wanted it to be, um, and and that's probably just unavoidable on something that just reaches out and touches this many books in the DC universe and the DC company line. Right. So uh, one of the things I want to bring up uh, immediately, it happens pretty early in this story, is um, uh, we get talking Tawny, uh, talky Tawny, I'm sorry, Yes. Uh, who appears and has... What can only be explained as a vaudeville routine with Beast Boy, with Changeling. Uh, it, it's literally a panel in the book. Yeah. And it's my favorite panel ever. Sure. There's so much, like, I, I complain, I, I don't know if I complained, but there's a certain amount of Bronze Age writing in this that's flummoxing at times, mm-hmm. where it's just a great Scott and uh, et cetera, right. mixed in with the, the deep drama and the, the high stakes. It feels weird. But then it, every once in a while, you'll get an ep, uh, a panel where like a talking animal says, Don't you, haven't you ever seen a talking animal before? And uh, Changeling just sort of goes, what? what? Like he has a uh, goofy uh, reaction. I mean I, I mean, I have been a talking animal, but like... Uh, no, just, I mean, yes, I mean, I no, just, I mean, oh, nuts. <laughs> oh, nuts. And at, the, and at this yeah. point, Changeling has actually already met Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. So, yes, he's met many, many talking animals. Yeah, it's almost as if, like, he's like, I don't have time to explain this right now. But instead, he just literally, there's a saxophone in the background, wall <laughs> Um There's a lot of fun things going on in, in, the, in this, these early pages, but the most important thing that we really need to focus on is I need one person from each <laughs> Earth, one from each universe to come. So because I'm not going to explain this twice, we're going to have a big powwow. Yeah, there's this really cool floating rock. We gotta we gotta get you guys over there. I I, I like how they keep uh, talking about you know we need a specific number. It's, it's the six, five uh, Earths and six representatives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's actually like nine. The I numbers think. do not make sense. There, so five universes were saved in that yeah. that zone, that negative zone, which is whatever. Plus Lady Quark, who is from an Earth that and whose universe did not get saved, right? And plus, but, but like some people, like um, Uncle Sam, is actually not really from the Earth he's representing. Well, he's he's from. Mm, well, yeah, I they, guess so. That's what he kind of yeah. says. Yeah, I don't know exactly what he meant. By and there that. are oh. many, many other people who just show up. Well, I'm just, I'm just referring to the fact that they're not including Alexander Luther, yeah, uh, Pariah, or uh, no, Pariah's uh, there. No, but well, they're well, there, but they're, 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 they're representatives of six Earths. Yeah. But uh, those are the three that know what's going on. The people from the other six Earths do not. Yeah, they're so just, so that's that's how they're counting it. 
It's a very weird time in uh, team making. It's a it's awkward. So can we go through who the six are? Sure. Uh, what who we got? We've got Captain Marvel. We have a uh, three versions of three, we, if not four versions of Superman. Three to four <laughs> versions of Superman. <laughs> and Lady Clark. Uh, we have yeah. We have <laughs> and then, oh, and then Blue Beetle. <laughs> yeah, we have Captain Marvel. We have uh, Earth One Superman. Earth Two Superman. Uh, Blue Sam. Beetle, Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam, and Blue Beetle, who I love because he interrupts his introduction, right? Because there's nothing, there's nothing they could have said we that would make sense. Actually, once on the on the back issue page on Facebook, we we had a thread where we were like, "What was she going to say about Blue Beetle?" And we all like just <laughs> yeah. chimed in with our ideas of, "Oh, that's like, great!" And Blue Beetle, who is here as well. Um, <laughs> And the rest. Yeah. Who, who will is, eventually inspire Night Owl. Uh, yes, Blue yeah. Beetle, who was drawn by Steve Ditko for a little while, and that's pretty cool. So <laughs> That would be amazing <laughs> if that's what they said. Oh, that's that would be so great. Um, has an enormous flying bug. <laughs> and that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, come on. He, he might be able to give us a ride someplace. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... So unfortunate, uh, but but, uh, but I mean, he, he sets it up decently because he has Blue Beetle basically volunteer. He's like, "Hey, I'll I'll go with you." Yeah. I mean, and then Harbinger's like, "Yeah, okay, fine." Yeah, <laughs> you and you count. And who Blue no. Beetle? Who I wasn't really expecting to come, but you know, he volunteered. So <laughs> yeah. I was just I was too polite. Rather than to having say yet no. another version of Superman, so you it's know, fine. Yeah. I, Blue Beetle, who I isn't really the person I wanted, but I, I was hoping for Captain Adam. But, I like I like that. Not only does Marv write in that interruption so he doesn't have to come up with a reason for why why Blue Beetle is there, right? Uh-huh. But he then goes on to have Lila explain why it's important to explain why everybody's there, right? But then still not explain why he's there. <laughs> yeah, Blue Beetle goes like, "Okay, for excuse me," yeah. and, 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 and also, nothing happens. Also, it's like a veiled plug for Who's Who because he's just like, you know, can the Who's Who? <laughs> you can oh, get, you can buy our companion series oh, Who's Who. To... Oh, that's sad. Uh, but yeah, it's um. It's interesting, and we, we, we didn't really mention her, I guess, Lady Quark. Lady Quark, yeah. Lady Quark. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Last survivor of here's, uh, whichever Here's the thing, they did. We're, half, we're past the halfway point for this series, and just now we're like, all right, this is what happened. <laughs> now, issue seven, we're getting the backstory. Yeah. This it's, is a lot of weird. exposition. It is. Yeah. Oh, it my is. God. It's about half the issue, yeah. Before yeah. we get into the exposition, one thing I want to note with this, is I like how in the first half, mostly of this book... Uh, that it's George Perez doing the artwork now, right? Yeah, yeah. it's George Perez, George Perez and uh, Jerry Ordway yeah. and Kingham. Uh, it spends most of the time drawing when he draws uh, Pariah. It looks like he's just practicing for when he has to draw Spectre a lot later. I really that <laughs> confused the hell out of me through most of this read. I'm like, are we going to find out Spectre? Is like do I did I misremember the origin of Spectre? Is no, he, no. There's just, there's no, no connection. Just, they're just the both robe. I guess they're both just two got guys with green drawing his face. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I, I would too. So yeah, we're we're finally gonna get the info dump. I don't know what to say about this. Feels the most Silver Age to me, which I like because it was a Silver Age story. It came yeah. from Green Lantern Forty. There's a footnote and everything. Well, it's referencing elements from the Silver Age, but it's obviously all of this is whole cloth new, and you're you're referencing uh, Quark. I don't think this is. I think no, that the, the Corona stuff is is from Green Lantern number forty. Yeah, but tying it into the creation of the multiverse and it being the creation of the negative 
the Negoverse. What are, what are we calling this? The Antimatter the Animatter Animatter universe. universe. You know, Darkwing Duck. Um, yeah. So yeah, that the the tying this all together. It's not as if back in the Silver Age, or like one day, my disciples, you will be turning this into Crisis. It was just these are elements from the Silver Age that are being reused in a way that I think is really creative, but also very indicative of the style at the time. The artwork, the scope. The characters, everything is sort of like crazy fun. I like that. Info dump, however, pages upon pages of I don't even know what was hard. Yeah, it's I, I am. I did have to at one point ask, like I was going to ask, like, is this the beginning when we see Kronos for the first time? Because I know he comes into play not in this book, but in other series as they go on. Mm-hmm. I know he's and beforehand. Yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. aware if he was if he was invented here or if that was something else no i mean there's a let's see i'm looking on page 10 now uh, mm-hmm. she says like you know chrono was sent spaceward and seen twice again so he'd okay. been yeah. he'd been used like two stories before because i know he's responsible for the event wet for the dc marvel crossover so some years before later. we go into yeah so the shades that uh were are i guess are putty villains in earlier parts of this mm-hmm. book the shadow um, demons the shadow demons i think they're referred to as shades but whatever those things um, were uh, thunderers that were converted by, or perverted even more so, by uh, the Anti-Monitor. Are the right. thunderers, thunderers were a thing. No, they, they were, were okay. The thunderers are from Green Lantern. Yeah. Okay. But they they this were, is heavily built on Green Lantern continuity. Because it was, it was very weird to just be like, I am this anti-existence creature. And also, I have these minions that like throw lightning yeah, and stuff. I'm but like, where that, does that fit in? Part of what I'm saying here, yeah. and I keep kind of trying to get the point across, is that these things existed in earlier books, but they were never this until yeah. we made them this oh. in this story. That's when Thunderers were like, well, all right, let's 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 modify, let's tie in their origins a little bit more cleanly into the Green Lanterns. Let's do that moment where there's a betrayal because science has gone to run amok, and let's also make them into shadow demon things that become the foils for our or the villains that our heroes have See, to fight. See, this is the kind of retroactive world building I like. Mm-hmm. Because it's not really retconning anything. You're not changing anything from the past. Right. You're just reinterpreting it. You're discovering new facets of it and consequences that you didn't know beforehand. You're building layers on top of something that has already existed yeah. without tearing anything else down. Yeah, because there yeah. were people that had superpowers that just showed up and had superpowers. And you know, if you later on decide, let me go into the origin and explore this a little bit, yeah. maybe get like you know, yeah, the Thunderers yeah. were just a goofy like yeah. foil, uh, right. villain group for the Green Lantern. They didn't have any. I, I argue or they, so you thought. Yeah, I, I would argue they still don't <laughs> have a very good reason for <laughs> existing in this by this and, issue. But you know, at least they use somebody that exists. And and Marv Wolfman, he's also trying to tie together various strands of the DC universe. Like the, we have the Controllers in here, who were uh, an alien race that were featured in the Legion of Superheroes. I believe they yeah. created the Miracle Machine, if I'm remembering correctly. And this is the first time it was revealed that, oh, yeah, they were actually split off from the Guardians. They were... Right. So this is the first time he con- those two threads were connected. And... Uh, yeah, and so- s- some of these things will spin out much more in more detail in... Yeah the next few decades yes. as people go back and look at it one more time and build upon it one more time. I'm sure a lot of the um, the the spectrum rings that happened after Darkest Night or during yeah. Darkest Night, I guess, uh, also had some little foothold here at this point. This is uh, one reason I, I actually wasn't taken to a back by this info dump because I remember them doing this. They did this again in the wake of Infinite Crisis, I believe it was. mm 
Uh, I don't remember which one. It was Infinite Crisis. Was that the one with uh, Superboy Prime? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Infinite Crisis and uh, uh, Fifty Two, which I can't. That that was the uh, the follow up, I think, where they go back into this Chronos. Uh, discovering the origins of the universe and expand upon it even further. Mm-hmm. And speaking of tie-ins, and I can't believe I'm going back with something that's super ridiculous. There's a fireman character that is called out um, by profession by Lady Quark. Yes. Uh, fireman from an Earth which no longer exists. And I was like, that's weird. So I had to look it up. Like, why is she so... Like, why is this one civil servant being brought up out of context, apparently, and I don't know if we've ever, uh, like, we have definitive truth proof on this, but at the time, DC was, or a little earlier, they were putting out comics about firemen. Just like there were crime comics and there were, like, war comics or whatever. There was some kind of, like, gritty, just like, you know, you see cop procedurals yeah, yeah, gotcha. and firemen. So this might have been a, pull, a call out to that. And that is, if true, I think even if not true, if there's that level of, like, detail in linking so much stuff into your world, I appreciate the effort put into it. I very much do. Now, I actually read that panel as she was referring to herself as uh, as being from an Earth that no longer exists. Yeah, she is. The fireman is an aside. No, no, she's just calling yeah. him by his occupation. I don't know about that. Lady Quark, fireman from an Earth which no longer exists. Oh, maybe. I don't know. There could be two different Yeah, ways. no, she, uh, like, she doesn't lady. know what Earth that fireman is from. Yeah. Huh. It's like, back, and, lady, this fire's out of control. She's and like, I, Lady I, Quark from a fireman, from a, from a world that no longer exists. So, oh, okay. so yeah. that is the from an earth which no longer exists is referring to herself? Yeah. Yes. She's not questioning. Yeah. I like the way that you guys are saying this with such definitiveness. <laughs> there's, because there's you no, are wrong. No. Well, no. That's the geekiest thing you could well, say on, I, a, on a review show. I feel. I feel like your opinions if, are wrong. No, I feel like if that fireman was a specific character, he, in all likelihood, would have been named. I guess so. I don't know. Or, I, I or, think we're or have given review, been given a close up or something like that. I, think I mean, we're that's have to review more fireman comics from DC. <laughs> it sounds. <laughs> it know. sounds like uh, a fan theory, uh, but no, I don't put a lot of stock in that. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yep. You're uh, allowed to think it. Yeah, I'm well aware I'm allowed to think these things. That's that's this is a review show. But um but yeah, good job on the on the big info dump. It was it's dense. It's got a lot. Mm-hmm. Um some of it I recognized. Um But it's no of, his dark I materials. Mean, <laughs> we we learn <laughs> we learn the origins cut. of the monitor and the anti monitor and the anti-monitor apparently created with armor, and the monitor created naked. Right, because he's um, good. Yeah. And nudity is good, and only a sinful universe is uh, is armored. Okay. And has okay. a cape. Yeah, yeah. 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 So here's a, a couple of things I do want to pull out of this this thing, this, this huge info dump. Uh, I love the idea that the monitor and the anti-monitor punched each other effectively unconscious. I feel like that is a hilarious image. I don't know if that's what... It's not literally what was shown to happen. They were laser beaming each other and yeah. they like knocked each other out. But that the idea of that mirror fight where they both like cross-hook each other at the same time and knock each other out for millions of years <laughs> is delightful to me. Nine billion. Billions of Nine years. Nine billion wow. with and a B. exactly equal power attack. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. 
uh, other than that, what's other, what are other fun things you, does anyone want to pull out? Well, we, we've got the origin of Pariah. Uh, we see him on his native earth before he gets his emo eyeshadow. Right. When he's, we, he, he's, he doesn't smile exactly. I mean, we see him looking yeah. smug, which yeah. I guess is a different shade. By the way, do we, do we buy this? What do you mean? Do we buy this origin? This origin with everybody on his planet saying, oh, you're the oh, best, Mariah. We love, I love no one's smarter than you. I love that take on it where he's like, so anyways, I was the best. Like the Zap Brannigan <laughs> yeah. version of his story. He's, he's telling it and he's like, no, I was the best thing about my yeah. Earth. Don't look it up. You don't need, it's not around anymore. Well, we can't look it up, right? Your Earth Cana- no longer exists. My Canadian girlfriend version yes. of of an Earth that got destroyed. I love oh that. Uh, yes, I'm on board. Not surprised. Um, yeah, well, so yeah, apparently Pariah and Krona have the same uh, sin. Uh, Pretty no, much. Yeah, yeah. They, they tried to figure out what... The origin of the universe. The origin, they basically tried to look upon the face of God, or in this case, the I hand. had the same thing as Krona's machine, but mine was better. Oh no! It was. It was it, I had safeguards in place for me, <laughs> yes. yeah. and me alone. Yeah, I, I don't. I was surprised by this. I was surprised that the the um, original sin that created, which is effectively an evil universe, which is something I'm also surprised of, that the antimatter universe was evil. I mean, yeah. it's pre- it's pretty basic. It's early comics. I mean, I guess you would. It's early it, pseudoscience. Yeah. Well, not even pseudoscience. Like you would think that there's like maybe I'm D and Ding this. There's like there's the prime material world. There's prime, and then there's yeah. negative. There's the opposite energy. Why does why not Earth isn't good? Like right, the yeah. regular multiverse isn't inherently good. So why is the antiverse? inherently evil, evil. I, th- I think weird. it's just a, a silver age comic thing that you yeah. have to roll with uh yeah. actually years later uh when they they were they wanted to give the green lantern mythos more of a hard science fiction edge they recruited uh larry niven the science fiction author right. to sort of go through the green lantern mythos and figure out rationales for a lot of things or have it make more sense basically and he changed the story a bit where instead of releasing evil into the universe chrono released entropy because he linked the uh, beginning of the universe with the end. And so he, so the entropy like ate up billions of years from the beginning of the universe. So the universe was basically born old. Yeah. Much more interesting. Yeah. So he, like Larry Niven, like he kept as much as he could, but some of the stuff he was just like, yeah, you got to get rid of this. This is silly comic and book stuff. Certainly, this so is. So you're the, okay if they play around on the uh, on the order chaos axis axis, just not the good evil axis. <laughs> well, I think Lila as the um, narrator for most of this, which I believe is true. Uh, her yeah. interpreting, you know, antimatter as evil is fine enough for me. I'm not going to write letters to my congressman about yeah. this. No. But it was when I'm oh, I think it, I'm you like, should. I, I want to read that letter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Patrick so, Leahy's a, a comic book fan, so you could oh, you could write him. There you go. So. There you go. So I uh, the other part of this that I find um, unusual is that the multiverse gets created. So right now in current BC publishing, where they're I think in the midst of the dark multiverse or maybe the teasers before the dark multiverse 
Uh, this is is metal still going it's, on? It's an aftermath of metal. I'm gonna only I'm gonna stumble through this. Okay. So like they yeah. they they discovered a dark multiverse where there's a multiverse out there, but everything is really evil, <laughs> and that multiverse is also going through some form of crisis that might reflect into our universe or I guess the regular, whatever, the main multiverse in DC. So there may be two crises going on at the same time. And then it's really just an excuse to do what if stories of what if Batman was a severed head in a jar, which is literally one of the stories. From what, from what I remember, is that a Futurama crossover? Uh, No, it's not as fun. It's not as fun. From what I remember, it's, it's mainly just, what if we did DC, but everything was a heavy metal, uh, album cover. That was metal. Yes. And then this is sort of tied in vaguely. The important thing is, and metal's uh, the one where we saw Batman's penis, right? No, no, that, that was, was something uh, else. That was something else. Batman Black, I think. Yeah. So regardless, we are. Um, so we're in the middle of that in in current DC continuity. It seems interesting how much of what I expected was n- new for that is not new. And in fact, there is there is an evil because. Uh, uh, Anti Monitor describes and it comes up a little bit more towards the end of the issue. All the people that live in the anti uh, in the uh, antimatter universe, which doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why? I thought it was just like negative energy. I didn't think there were planets full of negative energy yeah. people. The Thundars themselves baffle me. They're just guys who look vaguely uh, Thanagarian, but have lightning. They look like a they cheap look like lo- warlord. They look a little bit like okay, that's good. Yeah. They uh, look like cheap ripoffs of Thor and his like group. Like, <laughs> just have them all around with vague lightning powers. But why are they in the antimatter universe? Because they're from Quard, and Quard is the center of the antimatter universe. It seems very arbitrary that there's a difference between those two universes. And by the way, Frank, except for the monitor, monitor and anti monitor, they are presented as being opposite of one another. But nothing, and maybe uh, Quard and and Oa. But then everything else is just sort of like no, there's just. There's just another multiverse. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I do want to point out that the dark multiverse is completely different from the antimatter universe. Oh yes, my I know. god! Yes. And it's like, okay, this is you thought the antimatter universe was evil. This is like the eviler. Yeah. This is eviler than the antimatter. So universe. going in this with like the uh, the 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 you know we were talking about how just we, what we thought this was about. It's weird reading and discovering what it actually is about. Going, oh, all right, fine, evil universe. That's that's all it is. Huh, interesting. It's Silver Age. I think you just have to go with it. Yeah, you yeah, know. definitely. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Again, not writing a letter to my congressman. But uh, lots of other things happen here. We get Pariah presumably crushed. Probably not. And most importantly, the thing that we are we're burying the lead on Supergirl and her sacrifice to stop Anti Monitor's machine. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that, like I was going to say, it starts off because like Superman starts getting his butt kicked. Yeah, this is a, a, a Superman with a bloody nose is a rare sight in, at this yeah. time. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens up into that, like as far as, but I mean, we'll be here all night if we want to sit here and talk yeah, about like it's every, a super every time issue. a rock creature, you know, choke old mm-hmm. somebody. Uh, but it's there's, just, there's not a lot of explanation as to why Superman is now suddenly vulnerable. I think it's just that physics works differently here. Yeah. 
and that's and, uh, and also the foe the foe is just so powerful. And also, I think he doesn't have um, the sun right now. I mean, he may, there may yeah, not be a, that's a good point. He's yeah, mm-hmm. the, that's a good he may point. not have a red sun that takes away his powers, but he's not drawing power from the. Uh, There's probably an anti sun. Yeah, I guess. Probably. I, I I will say that there there is one exchange in here that I'd totally forgotten about, which I want to call out as being particularly funny. Is when Firestorm and the Ray are fighting the rock creatures in the in the antimatter universe. Uh, Firestorm's like, knock him down, get him up. I get rid of one, two more pop up. It ain't fair, Ray. It ain't fair. And the Ray just says, so complain to the antimatter universe's chamber of commerce. That made <laughs> yes. me laugh. Yeah, see, that made me laugh. That's this is the what I'm talking about. Where there's a moment that, where like it's life or death. A couple of pages, a major character's gonna die, and this guy's making jokes about the chamber of commerce. That is some major shade. I love that. I mean, the Ray, he has light powers, but he can throw out some shade too. Oh, uh, no, that's that no. was good. No, unacceptable. But yeah, it, it's 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 a lot. I I appreciate that the the God, this is stupid. The plot makes sense now. Yeah, like, I get the concept. The uh-huh. uh, anti-monitor has a machine that pulls in all this negative universe energy, and he's using that to force the five remaining uh, universes to merge yeah. together. If we stop the machine, them. you know, if we shoot the Death Star, we got it. I, that, mm-hmm. to, I was a now there's an actual goal other yeah. than just nebulous save the universe, right? Uh, it, guard, yeah. guard this big pillar thing in the Great Cataclysm. I'm not telling you why or but, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely come off a little bit as the opposite for as Infinity Gauntlet to me, where Infinity Gauntlet like it felt like uh, the, we had good, we knew who the villain was and what the what he was after, but the stakes were all over the place. Are, are you talking about the comic book yeah, version? Yeah, comic, comic book. Okay, like but the stakes were kind of all over the place as far as what was at risk and what wasn't. Here, the stakes have always kind of felt like we know what they are. The, the, the world's ending. Mm-hmm. We can see yeah. it, it's coming. It's this big giant white thing, and we knew what it was. Um, and the villain was always just kind of like, so what's he want? Yeah, how is this work? What's the hero want? What's, yeah, the, what's the plan? That, it, it was, what's the plan here? Yeah, yeah, it was. It's very much again. It's the exact opposite of what, what was with Infinity Gauntlet. I could see that. I could see there is a certain amount, of, and also in Infinity Gauntlet, there was a kind of a hopelessness of throwing everything against the window. Yeah, and something might work. Yeah, uh, Adam Warlock knows what he's doing. I guess t- towards the end, <laughs> yeah, tonight, just get a T-shirt. Uh, but yeah, here again, there is a action. We know what we're supposed to be doing, and so like right now, I'm deep into this. I'm excited. Till we get to the point where uh, Supergirl sees her cousin in trouble and rushes in, and here's something that there there's a there's two things I'm going to pull out. But when we're recording this, the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths not aired yet, but nope. I've been catching up a little bit. There are two things that I had I'm just I can't believe I missed. One, uh, the character Lila is flat out and has been in CW shows for a very long time. Oh, really? Yes, she has been there, and it took me literally, like, uh, the Arrow, season eight of Arrow is very crisis-y leading up to the actual crossover event, and when Lila, I'm like, wow, Lila's acting a lot like Harbinger in this story, and I'm like, Lila, Lila, and it was like that episode of The (laughs) Simpsons where, dental plan, Lisa needs braces, dental, (laughs) I'm like, oh, I connected the two, yes, so that's one, good for me, Uh, but also good for the CW, they're actually... That's yeah. super due diligence. That character yep. has been around for quite a while. Um, and the other thing that shows up in, in this part is Dr. Light, the new Dr. Light. The mm-hmm. female Dr. The Light. The female Dr. Light. Who's, as they say a couple times, <laughs> yes. Frequently, which is very weird considering that the original male Dr. Light does not appear 
yeah, in this story. It's not like there's no. going to be any confusion. And I, I think the person Dr. who Light. calls her the female Dr. Light is the Earth 2 Superman, who never had Met. a Dr. Light on his Earth at all. Yeah. All right, I but. think the anti-monitor refers to her as the female Dr. Light <laughs> it's at even some point. Oh, I guess God. they're just driving at home. Yeah. It's all a right. new character. and So, uh, yeah, she gets inspiration by seeing Supergirl uh, fighting and... Uh, and not giving up. Yeah, not giving up and sacrificing herself. She has her Ebenezer uh, Scrooge moment. There's definitely a I'm sending this character up because I want this character to be mm-hmm. like that. We talk about the deaths that happen in this the series, but there are set up interesting setup. There's this Japanese character who's going to be Doctor Light. There's um, the Latina who's going to be Wildcat, who also mm-hmm. gets a moment of will they ever accept me for who I will? I, will I be the new Wildcat? Do they care? I'm like the universe is ending. No with, cares. with lots of gratuitous Spanish. Oh yes, in there. It, she's like which at the time is like a good you know effort. Like good for you. You put effort in to try to make this a thing. Which may actually even be the next issue. I'm sorry about that if that were true. Uh, um, yeah, it doesn't matter if it is. Minor spoiler. I, th- I think it's Wild the beginning Ca- of this one. Yeah. Wildcat has some issues about whether or not she's going to matter or people will accept her. And meanwhile, I'm like, no one cares right now. <laughs> the it it is at the beginning end. of seven. All right. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. good. So, oh, nobody refers to her, do they? She, nobody knows her. about her she's yet. literally yeah. just watching them she's just bemoan yeah their face. No, I'm she's just crouching in the shadows yeah but i just like how she uses a spanish word and then immediately translates it yeah in her thought balloon yeah so yes. she is translating for herself for those of us who are bilingual we do that a lot we're like you know uh, yeah no uh, I, was, yeah. I was just thinking that i didn't remember anybody referring to the female wildcat no. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. They're, they're have that's to. because nobody has referred oh, to her my yet. lord this, what if yeah. she referred to herself as the female wildcat no, now, that it, would be in Espanol. <laughs> Actually, honestly, I think that scene it might be the last we see of the new Wildcat in this series. That's reasonable. Um, right. Yeah, That's she's wonderful. like, I'll, I'll prove myself worthy of the name Wildcat, and when I do, I'll come forth. And if I don't, and if I can't, you'll never see Yolanda Montes again. To explain, oh, and. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, so like, yeah. to, to piece it out, like, just so does it seem like we're anti-Wildcat too? No. Uh, like, Batgirl has a crisis moment. Uh, yes. Where she's like, what, what good am I to all in, yeah. facing all this? Yeah. That's a great moment that lets you think of all the ground level heroes going, yeah, a lot of people, we're not going to see them necessarily in this book because what good are they in the, in the face of this? This is above my pay grade. But for some reason, we get like panels upon panels of this one character who's brand new going, should I introduce myself now, later, wait till the world comes to an end? What is at least awkward? I don't know. Should I just Uh, show up at the table and dare them to say something? Uh, which is, by the way, maybe the maybe, correct way to do it. Maybe I'll just come in and and see if anybody notices. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like that's what. You hey, do. Why, does, why does Wildcat have boobs now? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, just walk in. Well, I think the original Wildcat may have had boobs <laughs> in their age. He might have uh, had man boobs. Yeah. He was forty heavyweight champion yeah. 40 years ago. He, he could have yeah, developed man so. boobs in that yeah, time. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he stopped walking, though. What's hey, going yeah. on here? All right. So, yeah, it's um, a, a, a bunch of stuff we keep missing. We're, we're not landing, and this is a super long episode. But Supergirl. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the top ten, if not the best superhero death that... Uh, that I've seen like in a like I can't I'm, I'm struggling to think of a better one because she just goes out swinging and swinging mm-hmm. hard mm. like she does damage like irreversible damage to, to an extent yeah to the point where he's like I gotta get a new body uh, yeah like, like I can't hang out in this one anymore uh, and she's only brought down she's only defeated because she takes the minute to like tell them go that and- annoys me so much I was like why did you need to be told 12 times <laughs> but no yeah I, I 
Really, it was Superman that killed her. I don't think so. I uh, maybe this nah. is me just being. Uh, I think that that probably. I mean, we we of course anti monitor monitor says, uh, "Oh, you turned your back on a fight," which becomes a thing later on. But uh, we, I, I don't think. I think she knew she was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was going down anyway. She knew. Uh, yeah. The cool thing about this to talk a little bit about death of characters, like for for the purposes of setting up other characters, she's not. This isn't a sacrifice necessarily. No. This isn't like. I I died so that you have motivation to stop the bad guy. She kills no. she dies to stop the bad guy. She 100% is responsible for saving the five. Yeah, this is a true universes. blue heroic death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really like you said, out one of the best. Any anything else we want to share about Supergirl's uh, amazing uh, I was actually a little disappointed that we got that little I'm clinging to life speech. Yeah, you know, I I, mm. I didn't. I would have been happier if she actually died mm. in that attack, and you don't get that. Oh no! I, I feel like that would have been hard at yeah. this point in comics. As weird as that sounds, yeah, no, like I, yeah. you can't communicate as much as you can now. Like now in a modern comic, I could see a lot of expression and like the feelings of the character um, as they're dying, it, it being done. Uh, in this, I feel like y- you need to dedicate a little bit of page space just to get that, like the character. She out. she needed some last words to yeah. her cousin uh, Cal, yeah. Yeah. and and I think you really needed that beat. It is a little on the melodramatic side, but I think it's well done. Yeah. Um, I just oh, I wish that she had had a decent costume at this point in time. That, oh, yeah. it's that headband cheerleader look is just not a good look. It's interesting how l- little of that came out in my. You know, race memory of reading comic books. I never pictured her in this outfit when she's going through all this. Yeah, a, even in the cover, I, I yeah, I had to go back and look at the cover. I'm like, does she wear the headband in this? Is she yeah, I she don't is? remember previously seeing that that iconic cover and having the head her having right. the headband. Yeah, on. yeah, oh, and the costume was still fairly was new. Yeah, um, she she got that costume in like eighty three, eighty four, uh, at some point in in the lead up to the movie. Um, because they wanted to update her look a bit, because I guess the uh, the puffy sleeves and hot pants look was yeah. getting a little dated by this point. But mm. I, I gotta say, I love how they how they deal with it too. Because mm-hmm. first off, you have soups just kind of like I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna like I'm gonna like yeah. And the other Superman has to be like, hey, calm down, son. We're like, there's right. a little bit of Poochie in this where it's like everybody's like, what does Superman have to say about this? <laughs> other Superman's well, talking him down. Don't worry about. Um, it. I I also like that she wins. A, a definitive victory, and it, but it's not a final victory, but yeah. it's enough of a victory that it lets us pause to mourn her a bit. And we mm. have a couple pages of, of grace notes here of just basically mourning Supergirl, and I think right. that was really good, and that really drives home, yes, this was a major thing. This was a major character, and she is gone. And and it's it's also saying, like, we mean business here. Right. We get to we visit uh, the uh, Fortress of Solitude for a moment with Superman and... Mm-hmm. and, uh, and Supergirl, and then eventually he carries her body off into space, and yeah. uh, there's a really sad moment where he's like, no one will ever forget you, which I don't know is actually true if what I remember happens in the crisis happens. Well... But we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. get to that when no, we get we there. Can't, we can't get into that too much yeah. without spoilers. It's, it's, but, it, yeah, we'll yeah. there. But re- it's, it's a lovely scene, that last page Absolutely. in particular, because George Perez, he can just nail those emotional scenes, and Wolfman does a nice job, and he also, like, has sort of some nice callbacks to the original Silver Age stories of Supergirl of like her hiding out in the orphanage at night and 
operating secretly as Superman's secret weapon. And, and there was a, like a big story where she debuted in the world and she'd been around for, I think, two or three years as a character at that point. And, mm. and, that's, and those are just classic stories. And that's probably like the classic Supergirl, the best Supergirl ever was. Yeah. So I think it's good to like kind of call back to that. So I'm excited to find out what happens next in Crisis. This is a really dramatic place to end. Um, of course, I'm going to immediately uh, undercut the the drama of this moment by bringing up one thing that we haven't talked about that happened way earlier in the book that is my favorite part of the book, uh, all respect to Supergirl and her sacrifice. It's um, Brainiac getting the team together. Mm. As he's going around the, multi, the remaining multiverse and zoinking out villains, like, come on, man, we're going to go do evil together. Right. And he gets Dr. Uh, I forgot Get in, name. loser. We're, do, we're doing some evil. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Uh, Sav- Savannah? Dr. Savannah. Yeah. And that back and forth with Dr. Savannah going, I must not let them realize that yeah. I don't know he, what's He's happening. like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm not going to tell him that. So he acts like it's his plan yeah. Yeah. while and, he's vanishing. And That's then great. everybody all the heroes that are around are like, hey, did you see the look on Dr. Savannah's face? He had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so, so funny. It's my favorite part. I really hope nothing comes of this evil like League of uh, Villain thing. It's just Brainiac getting a team together for fun. It's just Brainiac doing a movie night. Yeah, it's movie He's just night. like, uh, so what do you want to watch? I made popcorn. Uh <laughs> And Brainiac's just lonely since you he became son robotic. Of a bitch. Yeah. I'm in. Yes. <laughs> We're going to watch all the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> what would Bra- Brainiac wants to know what it's like to be human? I think he's make- maybe watching all Toy Stories. He got Disney Plus on that thing. And he's like, finally, I'm going to watch all the Toy Stories. Brainiac really likes Forky. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Near Bit, please like, follow, and subscribe so you can get the latest in the pond catcher of your choice. We mean it. Do that thing. And leave us a good review. We really mean it so people can find out about the show. We're going to start reading reviews on the air in coming weeks. Uh, and yeah, I guess Crisis will be out by the time you hear this. The CW version of Crisis will be out. by. Uh, let us know what you think about it. Is it is it good? We're not going to catch up. It's There's too much. We'll probably just watch it cold. But but that's not finishing till January sometimes. So. Oh, we're good. We're yeah. good. So we're good. We'll read your favorite opinions in the next episode. Good night, everybody. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 